Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. If God showed us the whole journey would never take the first step. Once again, that was said by Dr. Lewis Evans. May she rest in peace. Today, my friends, I am delighted to welcome another one of the Evans family. His name is Jonathan Evans. Now, for those of you that don't know who Jonathan Evans is, he is a mentor, author, speaker, and former NFL fullback. Uh, He treasures his relationship with Christ along with the opportunity to use his life to glorify God. Jonathan seeks to impact today's athletes, men and young adults by equipping and encouraging them in their faith. Jonathan serves with his pastor, friend and father, Dr. Tony Evans, both in the local church and the national ministry. They also teamed up together to write Get in the Game, a practical guidebook filled with sports analogies and spiritual truths aimed at strengthening readers with the skills they need for living victoriously. Jonathan Evans is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, as well as his father is too, uh, with a master's degree in Christian leadership. He also serves as the chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys and co-chaplain of the Dallas Mavericks. Jonathan is a dynamic speaker at churches, conferences, men's events, banquets, youth and FCA events, you name it. He is committed to developing the next generation of devoted Christian leaders. And Jonathan and his wife, uh, Kanika, uh, the proud parents of Kelsey, Jonathan, uh, number two, uh, Camden, Kyla, and Jade Winter. They reside in Dallas, Texas as well. And Jonathan is also part of writing this incredible book that is quite unique, actually. So it's a whole family coming together and writing this uh, book called Divine Disruption, which you can go and get a copy of right now, actually. Uh, Divine Disruption, Holding On to Faith When Life Breaks You Apart. And I've never read anything quite like this book before in my entire life. Not only is it a helpful uh, guide through still whenever you go through difficult challenges and obstacles in your life, what to do during those periods of time, but also it's a helpful understanding and a good reminder 
why we should continue to hold on to faith even when life doesn't go exactly how we planned it to. So my friends, you can get a copy of that right now. Links will be in the show notes below for you, but help support Jonathan and the whole Evans family actually by getting a copy of this book. I guarantee that you won't go wrong at all in buying a copy of this book. Uh, help support uh, Jonathan as well by sharing this episode around to all your friends and your family. Uh, All right, my friends, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the story of none other than Jonathan Evans. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, man, for making the time to be here. Uh, I'm really, really excited to unbox your story today, man. Love, like I was saying to you just earlier, I love your ministry, love your heart to serve and to try and equip people in this ever-present and darkening world uh, to strengthen our faith and to go and see the light in Jesus Christ and to live victoriously. So I know this is going to help so many people today. Uh, Before we dive into your backstory and why you do what you do in particular, I have one question I want to ask you that I ask all my guests at the very beginning, which is what does success look like for you? Yeah, success looks like for me living in such a way that when it's all said and done, you know, I just want to be, I just want God to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, to me, it's not about the views. It's not about the likes. It's not about the notoriety. It has nothing to do with that because, you know, if if people are clapping, but heaven is quiet, that's not success for me. And so I just want to do what God has called me to do and be faithful where I'm currently planted. And as he um, uproots me and plants me in different places, I just want to grow there. And so I want to do what God has called me to do, impact the people God has called me to impact. And then, um, you know, when it's all said and done, if I hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, um, that's what I'm living for. And that's what will be, that's what, what success will be. Mm, I love that answer, man. When was the moment for you that you realized that was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing over time in your life or was there more of a catalyst moment somewhere? Yeah, I think um, when you recognize, you know, um, it, it kind of was in college. Uh, there was a moment there where I realized that I could no longer ride the coattail of my parents' relationship with God. That wasn't going to work for me. Um, and that I had to build a personal relationship with him on my own. And so once I started that process and, and you know, you start the slow process of kind of weaning yourself off of uh, a bad view of greatness and a bad view of success uh, that this world gives and really totally giving your life to God and what he wants, his dream for your life, instead of trying to get him to submit to your dream for your life. Mm. And um, once once that happened, a lot of that was through my football journey and going from a player to becoming the chaplain and going from running from ministry to seminary. Um, there were some definitely some extremes in my life where um, as you give your life to God, he slowly begins to unravel what he wants for your life. Mm. Was that a difficult transition for you to go from being in football to then being the chaplain? And more specifically, why did you make that transition in the first place? Well, you know, it was a difficult transition because for me, I didn't want to do ministry because I'd always lived in it. You know, my parents, Dr. Tony and Lois Evans, I lived in ministry. And so I was thinking of trying to you know, blaze my own path and set my own way or trail and um, I remember playing and trying my best to get into the NFL. And I, and I got in, so to speak. But, you know, I was on 16s in five years. I was all over the place trying to figure out why in the world this was happening the way it was happening. I was cut, traded, carted off the field, 
I was booed, um, injured three times. You know, it was just a very difficult um, kind of pit circumstance for me trying to get this dream that I was trying to get. And uh, I remember working out to go back and play when my wife said, you know, she kind of feels like God's calling me. I was like, no, he's not. I'm going to go back and play. Um, And I remember tearing my Achilles tendon. Um, And once I did that, I hit the ground and in pain, I started laughing because, you know, the guys came over and said, why are you laughing? I said, well, this is the clearest, you know, I've heard God say, you're not going to continue to walk in a direction I'm not calling you. But if you do, if you walk in the direction where I am calling you, then I'll show you what you're called to. And as soon as I limped into seminary, I got a call to come back to the NFL as a chaplain by the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, as soon as I walked in the direction God was calling me, um, I got a call to come back as the chaplain. And that's when I ran out of the tunnel. You know, that's when I experienced this is my 10th year as the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And so I've been in the NFL for 10 years and God always had a tunnel for me to run out of. But it would be his tunnel, not my tunnel. It would be his way, not my way. And it would be his impact, not just me impacting players on a football field. Mm-hmm. And so um, he has something much bigger. I don't have to worry about injuries. I don't have to worry about you know being hurt. I don't have to be in the training room. Uh, but I also get to impact people with the knowledge that I've received through my own experience of you know grieving my way through the NFL, so to speak, and not being able to get my dream the way I want it. I experienced everything that I currently ministry to minister to. How do we know that it is actually God's plan to begin with and not just our own uh, manifestations, that's a, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, first of all, we have to uh, define the difference between service and selfishness. You know, a lot of what we're asking God to do is to, you know, be Robin so that I can be Batman. We just want him to be the step stool that we stand on so that he can take us higher. And the reality is, is that he's the king and we're the servants. And so our job is to serve the king. And um, and so uh, the one of the ways that you know that you're beginning to walk in the direction of God's way is first you submitting personally to a personal relationship with him. It starts there. I mean, you can do all of these things trying to find your path, trying to find your purpose and trying to find your way. But if you haven't found submission in your own heart to God in a personal relationship, then you're not hearing the voice of God. It's just your voice in your head that you're making God sign off on. Uh, The second thing is you have to look at how God made you and created you. And so you're going to automatically have certain passions. You're going to automatically have certain experiences. You'll automatically have certain abilities and you'll have certain opportunities. And when you put that mixed master of four things together, when that mixed master uh, of our faith comes together, you've run smack dab into your purpose. And so um, um, God never wastes anything. And we have to understand that. Uh, Look at my NFL story for a second. If you take my NFL story, not making it, getting cut, getting hurt. And while I was in that, I was whining, grumbling, groaning and complaining. Never knew that God was using all of that and making those the ingredients for my purpose that I'm walking in right now. And so he used the hard place. You know, my mom told me this, Jay, I'll say it this way. Your greatest ministry will come out of your greatest misery. Notice that most people are passionate about things that they've been through themselves. And so God will use your life story, whether good or bad or ugly. He'll use your pain. He'll use your problems for your purpose. And so it's never off to the left, you know. And so when you think about your life, when you think about your experiences, when you think about what you've gone through, and then you connect that to what you're passionate about, you'll find some similarities. And when you connect your passion 
with your experiences, your opportunities, and your abilities, you've ran into your purpose. Yeah. I say there is no better purpose than a God-given purpose. And oftentimes we wrestle with it, we run away from it. And I've always been interested in why is it that we do run away from that purpose? And secondly, it kind of ties into it. There might be some people that are listening to this right now that don't believe in God and they don't believe in that sort of alignment with with purpose, like with service and, and serving God more or less. So how would we walk someone through that scenario? And then, yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's a, a couple of things there. Um, uh, first of all, um, for those that, that don't believe in God, I think that our world is structured based on God. I think that when you look at um, employers and employees, when you look at football teams and head coaches, when you look at nations and presidents, when you look at past nations and kings, um, you, you kind of see a motif. When you even look at our movies, when you look at, oh, let me stop that. Did you hear that? It's all good, man. I'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. Um, let me start over on that one. Um, well, first of all, there's a couple of things. Um, and one of the things that we have to realize for those who, uh, you know, struggle to believe in God or don't believe in God is look at the motif of our lives. The motif of our lives uh, basically says that um, we have teams and head coaches. We have employers and employees. We have uh, nations that have kings. Um, uh, the way that our lives are, is structured, even when you look at um uh, when you just look at movies, movies are built based on bad situations and then salvation. If a movie doesn't, if you have a superhero movie and there's no bad situation and no hero to save the situation um, and bring salvation, then the movie's boring. I mean, we built our whole life on this motif um, that there is a greater and the lesser serves the greater. Yeah. And um, what purpose do we have in our lives? Are we built um, just to be born, just to go to school, um, just to get smart, get a good job? Um, then you make a lot of money um, and you try to make a lot of money. You try to gain your, your notoriety and, and then you get older and you don't, you know, not able to function the same and then you die. Mm -hmm. Is that the creative purpose of why we're here? The earth is so extremely um, detailed. It's self-sustaining. The earth is so extremely um, intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, and we wouldn't say that there was no intelligence behind its intelligence. Um, we just think that things that are created, uh, including our purposes, must be intelligent and must come from someone who is intelligent, but also who is supreme over us that we serve. And so I think that's one of the ways that we think about it and um, and that everything that's made has a maker. That's just logic in life. And I believe that it's um, jumping outside of logic to say that this um, world that's so unique and intelligent came from randomness instead of intelligence. And so I think our purpose is the same. Mm. And it's kind of like, I, it boggles my mind to think that a lot of people do believe in sort of like a big bang. I mean, isn't a bang, like, doesn't that create destruction rather than form something? I mean, it forms like, like, yeah, destroys everything in its wake. So why would people want to believe that? Or it, it just, yeah, it, it, I kind of like, it just boggles my mind to think that you, you, you can't look, you can look outside and there's like the trees, the air, the birds even, and, and how everything has sort of its own purpose and even you. And, and it just, 
I struggle to think why people don't actually believe that they are worth enough. They, 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 they don't believe they were created with a purpose to begin with and that God doesn't love them. But once again, I think it's because of sin and the human condition and the, that flaw. So how can we encourage somebody to find their purpose or to live in, uh, yeah, to live in their purpose or to really find what God has given them? Well, I think you said it uh, just starting out. I mean, first of all, um, you know, Romans 1 talks about suppressing the truth. Um, And obviously there's a thing with human beings uh, not wanting to be under authority. So not only do we suppress the truth, but we don't want to be under authority. You see Adam and Eve, um, they had a clear rule, but they operated as they were the authority. And so once once we do that, we lose control. Once we do that, we're, um, you know, people want freedom. Uh, and they define freedom as um, saying, you know, freedom is I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Well, that's not freedom. That's chaos. Um, d- disguised as freedom. If you want true freedom, it has to come with boundaries. And what God has done is he's g- given us the boundaries in his word to actually experience true freedom. Um, and so nobody would think that freedom is that way. You wouldn't raise your kids to say, hey, you can do whatever you want, whatever you want to do it. If you allow them to do that, they tear your house down. You give them boundaries. And within those boundaries, um, there is freedom. And I, so I think there's a misdefinition of freedom. I think there's a misdefinition of uh, authority and not wanting to be under it. And I, ultimately, I think it's suppressing the truth. But once we come to the truth, And once we come to the reality that, you know what, every manufacturer has a purpose for the product that he manufactures. Every creator has a purpose, whether it's clothes, whether it's uh, a TV, whether it's a a smartphone, there are purposes for these intelligent things that have been created by intelligent people. Mm -hmm. And again, I think the world carries a motif of an intelligent God who has created an intelligent world, who has created in his image, intelligent people. um, And he's given each one of us uniquenesses with an intelligent purpose. And until we connect to that intelligence based on his word, until we connect uh, to who he is, um, then we won't get to experience how intelligent our purpose is for the intelligence that he gave us when he created us. And making that connection is what life is about. Making that connection and serving God through it is how you experience the fullness of your life where you never fear more, more alive. You know, the Bible says it was like fire shut up in my bones. Like there was, there was nothing else that I wanted to do. Um, when I connected my intelligence that God gave me to the intelligence, the creator who gave it to me. And so I think that that's important and encouraging people to, to connect with him first, to connect with God. I think, I think people should start at square one. People should start at square one and just connect with God, asking the question, is there a God? Who is he? I want to learn about him. I want to read about him. And and I want to learn what his purposes are, because when you learn that, then you can better find what your purposes are inside of it. Mm. How about the idea of faith and what is, those people that don't know, what is real faith? Yeah, I think my dad gave me the greatest definition of faith. Okay, and um, um, it's a Tony Evansism is what I call it. And (laughs) faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so simply because God said so. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so simply because God said so. Let me make that simple for you. As a football player in the off season, I would work out hard. I couldn't see the season. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I would work out 
like it is so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so simply because my, my coach said so. So there was things that I would do to prepare for something that I couldn't see. And that was faith. Faith is me deciding, hey, you know what? I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I don't understand it all. I don't see it all. I, I don't have all of the answers, uh, but I have the faith to do this act based on um, the information I have been given. And so, um, you know, Hebrews 11, one says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. You know what I mean? So we're not from Missouri, you know, the show me state where you have to see it to believe it. Um, but faith still has logic connected to it and information. I think a lot of people who don't believe in God say, y'all just have faith. Um, and they say it in such a way where it's like, well, we don't get information. We're just happenstance. Uh, believing in something um, that is considered to be random and they cling that to faith. No, faith comes with knowledge. Faith comes with, with research. Faith comes with um, um, archaeologists finding things. Faith comes with a Bible that's never been able to be proven wrong. Faith comes with prophecy that was prophesied 700 years before the birth of Christ, and it came about exactly the way it was prophesied. Faith comes from uh, uh, Malachi, uh, Micah when it talks about Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and that was written 500 years before Jesus was born. See, faith comes with this information, and when you get this information, it gives you the ability to have faith. What if I told you, Jay, and the people who are watching this, I want you to have faith in a pink elephant. You would look at me and say, I'm not going to have faith in a pink elephant because I know that pink elephants don't exist. I, yeah. I see. So faith is connected to a knowledge. And I think people get faith wrong when they think it's just chance and happenstance and we're just randomly believing. No, we're believing because of the knowledge we've been given, the world we've been given, the logic we've been given, that nothing is created without a creator. And anything intelligent cannot exist by something random. Random doesn't produce intelligence. See, all of these thoughts um, and the research that's gone in uh, to God's word and the fact that it's never been proven wrong gives me the ability to have faith, to give God my life, to give God my trust, to give God my family, to give God my kids, to give God my purpose, even to give God my grief. Has your faith ever been tested? Oh, man. <laughs> it's been tested. I mean, even when you think about this book that we've written together as a family, um, Divine Disruption. Um, holding on to faith when life breaks your heart. And, and that's why we wrote this book. That's why we um, spent so much time uh, in it because, you know, it's hard to hold on to faith when it gets disrupted by difficulties, when it gets disrupted by things you don't expect. Um, we talk about the losing my mom and suddenly getting the news that she had terminal cancer and it coming out of left field, coming out of nowhere. And us praying and, and and going through the Bible and, you know, the Bible says, if you pray according to my will and uh, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, you know, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask what you will and it will be given to you. So we went through the scriptures and we did just that. And then she ended up passing away. And so I begin to question God. I begin to be disappointed in God. I begin to have feelings of why God, how could you do this? We had people praying where two or three are gathered. I mean, we, Jay, we, we went through the whole gamut of doing what we felt like God is calling us to do based on his word. And it still didn't turn out um, the way that we wanted it to turn out. And so I had my time where like that, but that's one of the biggest ones where you know, the doubt creep, creep, crept in and, 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 and thoughts of anger crept in and just being, um, you know, discouraged and my faith crept in. And it definitely comes, you know, in those hard times. So certainly 
Um, it has been tested, but God gave me um, a clear answer in those times where I sought him in disappointment. Mm. So how did you strengthen back your faith during those difficult moments? I mean, losing one's mother is heartbreaking. It's, it's heart-wrenching. I think grief is one of the, the most difficult experiences we have to go through. So how did you, or how did God build back up your faith in him again? Yeah, well, definitely, specifically on that situation, when I was, you know, crying out to the Lord, just in disappointment, asking him why, asking him all of these questions that many people have asked, um, you know, based on that same word, mm. I felt in my spirit, Jay, God said, well, you were praying for her to be healed. I said, yes, I was. He said, you were praying for her to be with family. I said, yes, I was. He said, you were praying for her um, um, to be well taken care of. I said, yes, I was. And you didn't do that for me. He said, say that again. I said, you didn't do that for me. He said, how did I not do that? I, he said, because what you were praying for, I gave you at the highest level that it could be given. There is an appointment unto man where there is a day unto man that's given to them where all must die. And he said, you were praying for healing and I've just given her the maximum healing. You were praying for life and I just gave her the maximum life. You were praying for her to be with family and I just gave I just gave her to her family. You were praying for her to be well taken care of and she could not be more well taken care of than she is now. You, you see my prayer, um, I didn't realize the level at which God answered my prayer um, because I didn't want her to suffer all of those things I was praying for and God gave it to me, but he gave it to me on a God level, not a human level. And the, and the human thinking is that this side of heaven is better. The God thinking is no, it isn't. The, the, the God thinking is no, what you prayed for, I gave you. So let me reiterate to you my victory. I know it was hard to see your mom die, but how hard was it to see my son die so that she could live? See, the, the victory that I've already given you, Jonathan, you're praying to me with a sense of entitlement like you don't understand it. And if you understand the victory that I've given you in my son, Jesus Christ, you'll understand that I gave you your prayer request at a higher level than you were actually praying for it. And so I would appreciate a thanksgiving instead of your disappointment. I'd appreciate a praise instead of me just hearing about your problems. I would appreciate, see, he, he, he spoke to me like a child of entitlement who didn't understand what his father was doing. You know what I mean? And so um, when I recognized the victory that we already have in Jesus, when I, when I was able to sit and think about what God had already done in the person of Jesus Christ to give us victory, you know, he says, in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even if they die. And so um, when, I, when I begin to think about the victory that he's given since we all die, um, it, it turned my disappointment into praise, even in my grief. It turned my, uh, while I was grieving, I was able to worship. While I was grieving, I was able to be thankful because <laughs> we accepted the gift. Yeah. Jesus Christ. We accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. And so we don't mourn as those with no hope. Yeah. I remember uh, like looking back at my young life and trust me, there's some crazy stories in there. I remember like, for example, when I lost my grandfather, who was my biggest mentor, I loved him. Like, yeah, I was quite young at the time I was praying my absolute hardest for my grandfather to live and to live a long time, but God took him away. I mean, thank God that he became a Christian in the end and I get to see him again. 
in when I, when I pass and, and go to eternity, but, um, I just remember being angry at God the moment he took him away. And then more recently, uh, with different health conditions and issues, I would always blame God for putting them on, onto me. And I remember like in 2018, I got meningitis and, uh, I was blind for a period of time. And when you're blind, you sort of like, I, I went to all these different places in my mind and thinking about, uh, where I had been and where I had gone to. And I had sort of walked away from God in that period of my life. And I think that God was trying to get my attention. And I remember sitting in the chair and of the hospital bed, of the hospital room, sorry, and having a conversation. It was kind of like a, a, a Jacob moment wrestling with God. <laughs> and um, I, I was wrestling back and forth with him. And I, he kept asking me, he's like, Jared, do you trust me? do you trust me? And I kept saying, of course I do. Of course I do. Like, is that even a question? Yeah. And the last thing that God said to me before I went and, and, um, and had my lumbar puncture, which is another story in of itself. Mm. Uh, I, it said to me, do you trust me? And then I just left. That was it. And it was kind of like this moment of, okay, do I really trust God in this moment to keep me safe? Or am I just relying on the doctor or am I just relying on my own strength to get through this? And yeah. God got me through it. And then that was like the catalyst or one of the catalysts for me to sort of redirect myself back to God and, and say, God brings these experiences into my life or our lives more or less to strengthen our faith so that we may be able to serve him better that we have even better stories now to share to other people that may be going through a similar experience and saying, Hey, I went through this too. It's that, that connection of the story element of I've been through this. Now I can, now I can help you through it as well. Um, that's what I ultimately believe it at least <laughs> of, of why God strengthens our faith. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly um, what God does, he takes you to the next level. I mean, all throughout the Bible, you see that. And I think we got to paint the right picture, Jay. I think, you know, people are using social media to try to paint a picture. That's not the right picture. People only post the highlights. Yeah. People only post the stuff that looks the best. You don't see them crying in the closet. You don't see things breaking apart. You don't see things falling apart. They post the best pictures to try to get the most views. And people compare themselves to that instead of comparing themselves to the real narrative. The real narrative is Joseph was in a pit so uh, uh, thrown in there by his own family before he ever made it to the palace to be second in command. Uh, the real nar narrative is, is Abraham was wandering around before he got called by God to go to the right place. Uh, the real narrative is that it took Noah 20 years to build that ark. He had to be consistent for a long time before he ever saw its use. You know, the real narrative is that Sarah was barren. She couldn't have any children. The real narrative is that that, that Rahab, you know, was a prostitute in a foreign uh, a foreign place before she was called to God's people. That like that's the real narrative. And until we realize that that's where God picks us all up from, until we realize that that that's where God takes us from. You know, the real narrative is Paul um, was in a bad place, was 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 blinded by God, was called by God, uh, was persecuting Christians before he ever was put in a position to write thirteen books of the New Testament. And so people need to realize that God can take you from where you are, from the grief that you're in, from the struggles that you're having, um, and, and make you a hall of famer for his kingdom if you say two words, yes, Lord. See, those are the, uh, the most important thing that anyone can do in their life.
the most important thing that anyone can do in their life is say those two words. Yes, Lord. Because as long as we strain and fight with him is the longer we take the time to get to the own purpose and destiny that he has for us. And he's not going to force it. He's going to wait for you to say, yes, Lord. I'm also reminded of Samuel and how God called Samuel. And then three times he called him. And then the third time Samuel said, here I am, speak, Lord, here I am, for your servant heareth. And I was like, man, if only we all said that. <laughs> and if only we all believed it, like how, how amazing could our lives actually be? He doesn't guarantee that we won't go through pain, but he always guarantees he's going to walk beside us or even carry us through those painful moments. I mean, I'm also reminded of on the, on the topic of Paul for a moment, how he had a thorn in his, on his flesh. We don't know what it was, but we know that it was grieving him. And three times he asked God, and then God just said, my grace is sufficient for thee. I'm like, yeah. man, what an answer. But yeah. once again, in our human minds, we don't want to experience the pain. We just want to experience the pleasure of That's life. Right. But the pain is so needful for us to become better, to become stronger. And I believe that's ultimately a gift. And many people don't accept the gift. They run from it. It's very right. much like salvation, right? <laughs> Similar yeah. thing. Yeah, I think that that's true. Um, and But but the, the interesting thing, though, is that we're okay with it in other areas of life. Like we understand as football players, you have to go through training camp before you can never get through the season. We understand that we have to tell our kids, hey, you're going to have to go to school and you're going to have to study and you're going to have to do the hard part before you get to the part you think is the good part. Like we understand like there is a process by which you experience your purpose in every other area of life. When we work out, if you want to get in shape, you got to do the hard part to get to the good part. Like that is the whole motif of our life. We, we accept it, but it comes from how things work themselves out biblically, how things have been set up and the way that God takes us through a process so that we're more ready for how God wants to use us. And in life, we want to reject the very thing that we accept, um, you know, in our day-to-day -day life. And so um, if we think about that motif as a whole, we accept it in our lives, um, but we don't accept it in the life that God wants to give us. And so once we learn how to accept it in both areas, we can experience the highest caliber life that we've been created to experience. Mm. I'm loving this conversation. Before I ask you the final three questions, the new book is called Divine Disruption. Where can people go and get a copy of it? Where can people connect with you, Jonathan, and learn more about your work? And I believe you've got another book too. So can you uh, push people there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Divine Disruption. Um, we're just so grateful to have this opportunity. It's divinedisruptionbook.com, uh, divinedisruptionbook.com. And so you can go to divinedisruptionbook.com. Uh, when that comes out, I think there's some early releases too. Uh, I think it comes out in November, but uh, you can pre-order it right now. Um, and so as soon as it comes out, you can get your copy. And then I also have, uh, your time is now your time is now is a book that you can get anywhere. Books are sold, uh, online, Amazon, wherever you want to get it. Um, if you want that, but divine disruption, our whole family came together on that. It's an awesome project. It's the first book that I know of that has, um, you know, five authors who wrote it and all of their voices are intertwined through the book. And so when, when, when it's my turn to talk, it'll be Jonathan. And then I'll start talking, then Priscilla and, and then Anthony and then Crystal and then my dad. And it all flows as one thought. Um, it's a very unique thing. I want to thank my brother for putting that together. Anthony Evans um, kind of got us all together to make sure we did that for my mom. 
because my mom's wish was, I want y'all to be together and do something to impact people as a family. And this is that project to do it. So if you're hurting, if you're grieving, if you're struggling, if you're in pain, if you have problems, if you want to figure this thing out, how to hold on to faith when life breaks your heart, this is the book for you, divinedisruptionbook.com. Thank you. It's a powerful book, man. Like I, I noticed that as I was reading it and I, I, I agree with you. I haven't seen a book and I read a lot of books and uh, I didn't, haven't seen a book where there's five authors and it's all like in sync. It's amazing. And uh, I was only reading the first couple of pages too. <laughs> like I cannot wait to get my hands on an actual physical copy and promote it like crazy. I know it's going to help so many people, Christian, non-Christian alike. It's just, it bridges those gaps, but uh, I, I'm just so grateful that you all came together and you wrote this amazing book. So um, really appreciate your time, uh, Jonathan. Uh, I, I Okay, this is a question that I love asking people and I'm very curious to hear your answer to it. But what do you love the most about yourself and your story? Oh, good question. What do I love the, the most about myself? Um... I would say that it's my love for pleasing God and being there for my family. I think that I have a love uh, for pleasing the Lord just because I love him. I think love is an action. Um, so living my life to please the Lord. And I love being with my family, being a, a husband and a dad. Um, so those are the things um, that I love that I'm that way. I'm glad that I'm that way uh, because legacy depends on it. And uh, what was the second part? Second part was, what do you love the most about your story? Love the most about my story is what we've been talking about. I, I love to be able to look back and see the hindsight is 2020. Be able to look back and see the hand of God. Oh, that's why that happened. Oh, I'm glad I didn't get out of that when I was trying to get out of that. And it making me more mature as God matures me uh, to my future. Mm, love that, man. What has been the most vulnerable moment in your life? Um, I would say the most vulnerable moment in my life was when I realized that I was riding the coattail of my parents' faith and I did not have one of my own. When I was shell-shocked by the idea, oh, like what my parents have done in ministry and for the last 30 years, that doesn't contribute to my well done. That doesn't contribute to, to what God is going to say to me. It only contributes to what God is going to say to them. And me going bef before the Lord and saying, yes, Lord. Love that, man. My final question for you, Jonathan, is my all-time favorite question I ask everyone at the end. Uh, it's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, I think that, that I want that film to say, um, Jonathan Evans, a man after God's own heart who loved to do his will. Um, and then I, I think I think that I would want it to show, you know, everything because I want I want it to be real. And I want it to show um, all of the, the, the problems, all of the pain, all of the struggles, all of the temptations where I failed, um, all of the things that I did displeasing to God and how God stayed with me, loved me, gave me grace, matured me and walked with me as I accomplished greater, did better, got more 
from him and uh, ultimately um, got the well done, my good and faithful servant. So I think that that's, that, that's the ball game we play. And I think that we just got to continue to play it well. Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan Evans, for your time today, your story, your heart to serve and show up. And, and thank you so much for spending the time with me today on the Storybox podcast. Oh, glad to have been a part of it, man. Great conversation. Thank you so much, Jay. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the story box. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.